The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today we are going to discuss about the role of local communities in global business. You will listen to the two cohorts of Oxford, JR and I, your host, discussing the relationship between local communities and global business in the interconnected global economy. Uh, James Klein. Our guest today is the principal of JR Global LLC, a consulting firm dedicated to facilitating global transformation through local initiatives that strengthen markets by addressing barriers to access by local residents. His focus is facilitating systemic change in the areas of water, energy, education, and health. He also serves as the CEO Emeritus of Finance Fund, an Ohio USA based uh, fund which which basically works on the statewide social impact community development and it moves public and private capital into low income communities to improve the quality of life for people. JR specializes in revival of local communities by centering on visionary leadership attractive business climates, strengthening the workforce, and public-private collaboration. JR's expertise in organizational management, leadership, strategic planning, and cultural integration is recognized worldwide. Welcome, JR. Well, thank you, Mahesh. Uh, it's, it's good to be here. Uh, thanks for the opportunity uh, to be on your program. You know, you know, I come as part of your fan base, uh, global the global business program is really developing into a place to uh, to hear recognized business leaders and thinkers talk about issues that are relevant in uh, today's business. So I'm not I'm not sure how I made it into that crowd, but I'm I'm really uh, pleased to be here. Great, Jar. Uh, you would have seen when. Uh Normally, there's a discussion about global business. You hear about cities like Shanghai, Beijing, Bangalore, Seoul in Korea, etc., etc. Now, does it mean that global business is limited to these major towns? I don't think so. There must be a role, or there is a role for towns like Paducah in Kentucky, Fremont in Ohio, or Gaumi in China in the global economy. 
do you think, how's the global business impacting local communities? That's a, it's a, a really good question, a question I spent a good deal of time uh, thinking about. And I want to preface any of these remarks that I, that I have by actually a couple of quotes. Uh, this is one by Pablo Picasso. You probably heard this one, which is, uh, a good artist copies and a great artist steals. Uh, and and uh, my, my father, uh, Bernhard Johannes Klein, said at one time, none of us are as smart as all of us. So all of my comments are basically uh, sort of a conglomeration of participation, imagination, uh, imitation, and plagiarization, I guess. So, so let's think about a minute how how a global business actually impacts local communities. You know, you, the influence of globalization has uh, uh, been driven by dramatic changers uh, is uh, one of those blinding flashes of the obvious that uh, may seem to sneak up on us, but in reality is very evident and even, even somewhat predictable. You know, advances in technology, in markets and environment have have come to uh, almost as precursors uh, to this this big change that we that we are now talking about. Advances in technology has led to um, the, uh, the current global grid uh, being driven by one thing, and that's basically information. Information. Uh, technology is a strong force uh, that continues to enhance communication in all sectors. Um, among other things, it enhances communication uh, for uh, and and uh, and actually consumer demand. You know, the, I, I believe that the the primary mission of business is to provide solutions, and this technology explosion. Uh, has provided opportunities and market applications for those solutions. Markets have have, have a clear uh, a, a global aspect. They've been driven by this whole idea of international commerce. Uh, businesses are virtually interlinked and, and uh, sort of creating a powerful fo- force in the uh, uh, in the form of markets without borders, uh, and the whole idea of uh, globalization uh, is a process uh, that in which uh, people uh, and communities come to experience uh, in sort of an increasing common uh, economy, um, a social and cultural environment. Uh, you can't you can't live in this world. And and not understand how global it is. Uh, you know, you 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 are constantly uh, uh, confronted with Chinese-made smartphones or Ukrainian uh, computer software engineers or uh, multinational real-time communications or products and brand competition uh, you go to coffee and you can't decide if you want Kenyan coffee or Colombian coffee uh, you, you you pick up the news and and you get real-time information from 
from uh, from China, from London, uh, Europe, the Middle East, uh, Africa, U.S. You go out and get in your car to go to work. You get in your Korean or Japanese or European or American car, and you stop on the way to work to put fuel on as a result of some emerging market energy suppliers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My my thinking is, in fact, that. The, the the direct conversation uh, of your uh, your question um, how how um, uh, global businesses impact local economies is is uh, is probably uh, just the other way around the, the the fact that we are seeing an increase in emerging markets. Uh, that is fueled partly by technological change, by providing real-time information to previously isolated communities, turns them turns them into something else. It turns them into viable markets and 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 voices uh, that um, point to the growing impact uh, of world of the world business uh, climate. Yeah, that's that's great point. Very well said, JR. And uh, I just want to record what you said that uh, the the globalization has provided a common economic, social, and cultural environment. I think that's a big driver of the globalized business, and it has been facilitated, as you mentioned through the information technology. You can access anything anywhere now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Perspective of whether you are a small uh, community um, or you're a large company, co- community. There are a few towns in uh, in U.S. <clears throat> where population is less than 220. And still they have availability of goods and services because of the connectivity, because of the access through information technology. And uh, just to share with you, JR, I, I was looking at some of the research. There's a town in Nebraska which has only population of one. <laughs> and the lady who lives there, he, she still pays the taxes so that she can take care of the four street lights in the town. <laughs> it, it used to have more than 220 people living in the town. People laughed. The industry was not there. But... She's well connected. She can still survive. She can take care of herself. Uh, as you rightly said, that you can get uh, um, a, a Korean car sitting in any small town. You could be driving it. You could get energy from anywhere. Uh, the source could be, uh, ultimately, we will start forgetting about source of the goods and services coming to us, even in a remote local communities. We'll just be looking at are our demands being met, as you rightly said, the solutions? Are we getting solutions to our problems? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, there's been such a change. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I was uh, doing, some biz- doing some business and visiting some friends, which uh, after a while sort of becomes the same thing, you understand, uh, in, uh, in Australia. And uh, I was convinced to go up and uh, spend a little bit of time on the Great Barrier Reef on a small little island about the size of a postage stamp 
called Lady Elliot Island, basically two beaches surrounded by a little runway. Uh-huh. And, and uh, I was, I was uh, uh, sitting on the beach on a lawn chair with a cell phone working on closing a deal in New York City. Wow. Okay, so that that really is uh, sort of emblematic for me on how things have actually changed. Uh, there, there, the, the boundaries of market and the boundaries of sort of the work environment uh, are changed dramatically, and uh, uh, that has a tremendous impact on on uh, on local communities. Uh, yeah, not just not just the, the, the Nebraska one uh, population ones, but but uh, all of them, and really, really uh, where they are doesn't make much difference anymore. Right. I think as the example you gave, the global businesses have reached every nook and corner of the world, and and as small a place as you're talking about. So this has become a very important part of our life. And uh, what do you think, JR? Uh, we will start with the, the next topic, although we may be taking a break within the next few minutes. I just wanted to start that still. Do you think the local businesses have a role to play in global business? Uh, which I'm saying is basically a vice versa of what we were talking a few minutes ago. And uh, what we can do is, uh, uh, why, why not? Why not we hear your views, views on that? Okay, yeah, I, you know, I, 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 it's a surprise, isn't it, that I actually have opinion on that? But I, but I do. Uh, I, I believe that it's really not a role; it is the role uh, that local businesses have and are playing in global economies. I think. If anything, we forget from time to time that we need to pay attention to local communities. I'm just going to—I'm going to just give you an idea of that. Now, um, uh, I'm going to murder this guy's name. You understand? But uh, the name is uh, uh, Ananda uh, Giridasa Dirahasada. Okay. Now, I, I, he's a reporter for New York Times, and. Um, uh, in an address uh, that he made to the Aspen uh, Action Forum this last year, uh, he said that the winners of our age may be helping society with their f- foundations, but in their business enterprises, the main occupation of their life, uh, they are doing serious harm. So let's. What I want to focus on first here is what what perceptions are. He, he basically uh, says that first uh, they use political and, and financial muscle to enact policies that help them stack up and provide uh, and protect and bequeath money. Second, that they offload risks and volatility to workers. And third, that the owners of the capital are are pretty much increasingly remote from the communities. Now, I, I, don't, I don't put that out that, that it is my opinion, but I put it out as an example of the many voices with their own agendas on questions of 
globalization. Uh, the greatest danger to a viable local community, in my opinion, is not to globalize, uh, but to but to uh, uh, but to retreat into isolationism or protectionism. You know, in, in, in this global economy, those people and organizations that are isolated, just think about that, that are isolated, they're cut off, are, are, are really at a disadvantage. Uh, and they are, may I continue, they are uh, uh, targets of, of nativists who, who feed on discontent or blaming outsiders, or scapegoating foreigners, uh, quote-unquote, uh, and urging that barriers be erected to stem uh, uh, global tides. But, but if communities retreat into isolationism, they are unlikely to solve the very problems that have led to their discontent in the first place, Okay. So, ironically, the best way for communities to preserve their local control is to actually become more globally competitive. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and and uh, so it, it's my opinion that, that one of the roles of local communities is to create environments that are not conducive to businesses that subscribe to... Uh, Giri da Hadassah das, and foster the kinds of environments that corporate and and foster environments actually that incorporate the sort of um, uh, we 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 Oxford folks uh, 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 Mahesh call it uh, inclusive capitalism. There's other places where they call it bottom of the pyramid. Uh, if they don't include that in their global platform. It's my opinion that uh-huh. uh, we solve our macroeconomic problems by solving our local economic problems first. It's, it, it, this is based upon a, uh, one of my basic ideological concepts, and that is that all economics are, are basically local, and they're all driven by uh, driven primarily by the individual consumer. Oh, wow. That's a great insight, JR. Oh, well, thank you so much. We'll take a short break now, and we'll be back shortly. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network business you'll find the experts here voice america business network
Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We have with us JR today discussing the role of communities in global business. JR, great insights you provided in the first segment. Uh, moving on, what do you think? How can the local communities and businesses take advantage of global business for creating regional prosperity in their own areas, in their smaller local communities? Really, that's really a good question. It's a question that has been on a lot of people's minds for a while. As a matter of fact, Rosebeth Moss Cantor, she's from Harvard, she got an article called Thriving Locally in the Global Economy, and it offers some really good salient points and, and please understand that I believe they're salient because I agree with them you know uh, the, the, the greatest assets to any business she says are concepts competencies and connections it's what, a, what a good thought what a, what a good way to structure this so this is let's talk about these local communities and businesses and, and their prosperity. The, these these uh, these communities need concepts first, she says. And let's call them thinkers. These are sort of leading edge ideas and designs uh, or uh, formulations for products or service uh, that create value for customers. You you need to second have have competencies, and I would kind of call these people uh, makers. Um, uh, the competency is to is the uh, eligibility, uh, or no, not the eligibility. I think the ability. Uh, it's the ability to really translate ideas into applications for consumers, uh, and to execute uh, really the the highest standards. And then the third group, those connectors, those sort of traders, are are alliances among businesses to leverage core capabilities, uh, create uh, more value for customers, or simply open doors and widen horizons. And, and, and really, unlike tangible assets, these intangible resources are portable and fluid, and, and they decline rapidly in value uh, and are in need of really constantly being updated. Any given region, therefore, uh, can thrive as a world-class center of thinkers, makers, and traders, uh, really by, by growing or enticing one or more of these assets. You know, moving to these stages takes visionary leadership and a friendly business climate and a commitment to training and a spirit of collaboration among business and between business and and local government. World-class companies, you, you, you know this, world-class company keep their supplies of these assets current by being more entrepreneurial, more learning-oriented, more, more collaborative. They continually seek better concepts and invest in innovation. They, they search for ideas and experience and nurture their people's knowledge and skills. And they seek 
partnerships with others to extend their competencies and achieve common uh, uh, common objectives. Right. That's yeah. important, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, companies have uh, several ways of uh, deriving concepts, um, uh, competencies, and connections from communities in which they they are uh, they're located. Uh, regions, communities uh, can be superior development sites for concepts uh, because uh, innovators can flourish there. Uh, they uh, come into contact with uh, new ways of thinking uh, and support find uh, support uh, for uh, turning their ideas into viable business. These communities can distinguish themselves by enhancing production competencies through maintaining highly qualified standards and highly trained workforces. Uh, they can provide uh, connections to global markets in which businesses find resources and partners to link them to other markets. These centers, these the urban centers, even rural centers can thrive as international centers if the businesses and the people who work for them can learn more and develop better by staying there than by going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, places, places can establish linkages to world-class companies by investing and specializing in capabilities uh, that connect their local population to global economies in one one of three ways. And this is basically, I began to talk about this, but if you, if it's okay, if you don't mind, I'm going to expand on it a little bit, this idea sure, of, sure. That's of, of, yeah, of thinkers and makers and traders. You know, thinkers uh, specialize in concepts. Um, uh, such places are magnets uh, for brain power, uh, which is channeled into knowledge industries. They're their competitive edge comes from uh, continual innovation, and, and they set uh, world standards in export of both knowledge and knowledge-based products. Thinkers count on their absolute dominance in technology, creativity, and intellectual superiority to ensure their position on the global stage. Now, I'm, I'm going to suggest to you that uh, Boston in the United States is an area like this. Right, uh, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They specialize in concepts, in, in creating uh, new ideas and technologies that command a premium uh, in the world market. Now, now, makers are especially competent in execution. Uh, these communities uh, have superior production facilities and an infrastructure that supports high-value, cost-effective uh, production. As a result, maker places um, uh, are magnets for world-class uh, manufacturing. An example of this is the, the Spartanburg and Greenville area in North Carolina in the United States. Uh, uh, this is a good example of world-class makers. They have an exceptional blue-collar workforce that has attracted more than 200 companies 
uh, from uh, from around the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. including BMWs and Michelin. I think a lot of good, very good brand names have moved there. Absolutely, absolutely, and they're they're. Uh, there, it's a very interesting study, and you can get even more on this study by uh, by going back to uh, 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 Cantor's uh, article uh, that she published. Uh, there's some really good examples of the businesses that have come, and you know, once they get there, it isn't just that local community that that keeps them there. They may be the magnet, but they're not all the time the glue. The glue becomes by the interaction that happens between those companies themselves. Right. And and so it becomes sort of a self-propelling uh, uh, prophecy, kind of. Yes. Uh, and then and then traders. Uh, traders, you know, specialize in connections. They 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 sit at the crossroads of cultures and and really are sort of traffic cops. They really manage those intersections. Uh, uh, they they help make deals or transport goods or or uh, or services across uh, borders uh, of all types. I just had dinner uh, uh, two nights ago with a, a young man from. Uh, from Israel and uh, and a young lady from U.S. who really travel all over the world, and what they do is just simply uh, trade. They are they're figuring out where to uh, to connect companies with uh, with resources with supplies. It's very very interesting. You know, Miami in the U.S. Uh, I think uh, is is probably with its sort of Latin American. Uh, 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 flavor uh, and is a quintessential trader uh, city. Uh, organizations like AT and T um, selected Miami for their Latin American headquarters because of the sort of Pan American characteristics. Um, uh, Latin America uh, or Latin America? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Miami uh, really bridges uh, the Latino and the Anglo cultures. In the same way, you mentioned this, in the same way that uh, Hong Kong and, and Singapore traditionally have linked sort of the British and, uh, and the Chinese cultures. And again, here I, here I come again. This is, this is uh, local communities really must, uh, no matter what the size is, think about how attractive they are within sort of a global environment. Yeah, I think you, you bring in a very good points that how Miami bridges and how Hong Kong was bridging, what's the role, what was and is the role for Singapore, and they have done it very well, connecting the dots and getting the yeah. global business yeah. going. JR, we are heading for our another break, uh, very interesting discussion. We're going to continue this discussion after the break. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back. Uh, you are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We have with us uh, JR discussing uh, some very interesting facts about the role of local communities in global business. Uh, before we uh, went on the break, uh, uh, JR, you were talking about uh, how can the local communities and businesses take advantage of global business for creating regional prosperities. Uh, please continue. Yeah, and I sort of ended up by saying uh, these uh, local communities need to sort of be world class. Well, then that's I kind of left it hanging. How do you become world class? Well, I'm going to start by uh, by quoting an English uh, an author, a guy named John Milton, and he said, uh, "Welcome, pure-eyed faith, white-handed hope, thou hovering angel girt with golden wings." Listen, hope and good attitudes are not enough. You need workers that are skilled, skilled to meet international standards. You need visionary leaders. You need friendly business climate and a commitment to train and a spirit of collaboration. All those things that we've talked about, talked about before. And really, contrary to popular belief and, 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 I think this is probably to more places than just the United States. As a matter of fact, I'm sure it is. Low wages and tax incentives are not the primary reason that first foreign companies are attracted. In a, in a recent study by James Hines, he's a Harvard uh, um, uh, Kennedy School of Government, shown that, at least in the United States, uh, that state and other local tax incentives play little or no role in where foreign companies locate their business. Foreign investors sometimes do decide, you know, to, to, to locate in a particular place to get a tax credit, uh, but generally, business factors play the larger role. Isn't that interesting? Right. So, so paying attention to strengthening local existing businesses is, is one of the things you need to do. It's impossible to sustain a sleepy local companies in an environment uh, in which the world-class companies are looking for better technology and skills. So, so you can say, see, you can see the really the importance of local leadership uh, in establishing communities as conductive, attractive, and collaborative. Yeah, I think all the three are very, very important. They should be conducive for business, and there should be something attractive, and there should be an opportunity in, in the local environment to collaborate. Now, JR, one of uh, the most impacting aspects of global business is interconnectivity and uh, uh, information technology. Let me summarize by calling it digital economy. Now, digital economy has opened the doors for actually everyone to participate in global business. You can participate from anywhere. Uh, it, the, the geography doesn't matter there. 
Do you think is there an opportunity in that for local communities to leverage it for growth? Although you and I know and everybody sees that the digital economy may impact their conventional brick and mortar business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great uh, a, a great question for thought. It's it's my belief that the next blinding flash of the obvious will be the egalitarian nature of change. You know, it's no longer really about even the brick and mortar. The brick and mortar is has almost become subservient to the technology. What it is about is 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 the the everyone and anywhere part of that question. Uh, the 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 effect of this globalization on multinationals and on local businesses is changing everything. Uh, global businesses must begin to think differently about their profits. While the 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 bottom of the pyramid ideas highlight the uh, the importance of. Uh, new markets for the continued existence of high-tech companies. The discourse of uh, digital corporate uh, citizens creates and enables environments in which transnational high-tech companies can access new customers at the bottom of the pyramid. Uh, there's, a, there's a growing body of evidence uh, that points to uh, the conclusion that the development and, stabil- and stabilization of local markets, local communities, comes from investment, mostly private, in locally based entrepreneurs rather than in public entities. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I find it interesting. There are a lot of good books that have been written about that, uh, that have been very popular over the years. I'll give you a couple examples of how this sort of entrepreneurial uh, 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 ideology can can really have large, big effects on on local communities, and thereby remember affect macroeconomies. Uh, again, I'm going to uh, 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 butcher these names, I'm sure, but uh, uh, Iqbal uh, Quidar is best known as the founder of the Grameen uh, Foam. Now. Bangladesh is uh, this Bangladesh's largest phone company in terms of subscribers. Uh, during the 1990s, Qadar uh, stitched together a global uh, consortium that launched a Grameen phone in 1997. Uh, it did this by providing uh, uh, mobile phone services uh, throughout Bangladesh. His uh, uh, innovative scheme was to allow local entrepreneurs, mostly women, uh, to buy uh, sell uh, seller, cellular handsets with a loan from the microcredit pioneer, the Grameen Bank, and, and then rent the phones with airtime to their neighbors. Isn't that interesting? Now, yeah. the, here's what happens. Today, Grameen Phone has nearly 1 million direct subscribers in addition to the 30 thousand entrepreneurs whose handsets provide phone access to more than 50 million people wow. and that is by that is by investment in those local economies one more I'll give you one more uh, Dean Kamen he was the the guy that invented the Segway scooter you know those sort of balancy little scooter things right he's actually working on a new way to bring electricity 
to villages in in uh, developing countries. Uh, uh, he is re-engineering the Stirling engine. Now, uh, the original Stirling engine was developed like more than 200 years ago. Uh, and he's re-engineering it to generate about one kilowatt of, uh, of electricity, enough to, enough to light about 60 small homes. Now, just think, instead of some world energy company uh, building a single 200 megawatt power plant in some place, let's say Kampala in Uganda, imagine... 200,000 micro-entrepreneurs who would each purchase a Stirling engine and sell one kilowatt in their respective communities in rural Uganda. That is much more doable. I'm saying that's, that's, that's a large it's, project. You need a lot of assets, investments. And then can you think what the, what the impact on that local economy will be? Yeah. Because it would, it, it would, it, it would be exponential. I, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I, I believe it isn't the lack of capital that's the real barrier to economic growth in these developing countries. It is where the capital goes. Yeah, I, I agree on that concept with you. You know, this, these are very important points, JR, uh, which we are discussing. Uh, I uh, have to take a short break, uh, and we'll be back shortly and continue the flow of your thoughts, JR. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are having a very interesting discussion with JR, and we are discussing the role of local communities in global businesses. Uh, JR, we have to take a short break. I would let you continue. Okay, we ended up by talking about capital and, and uh, that it isn't the lack of capital. It's really where the capital goes. And, and, and for this, I'm going to uh, refer to... Uh, 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 Gardner Morris, he wrote a great little book called uh, uh, The Bottom-Up Economics. Uh, in uh, Not a book, I think it's an article out of Harvard Business Review. Um, he said foreign, foreign aid to governments in developing countries is based upon 
not conventional wisdom, but he coins the phrase wishdom. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. It is more of a wish uh, than a fact that poor countries consistently benefit from capital from rich countries. Uh, this 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 aid is wished by rich countries to achieve geopolitical ends or to support uh, the sale of their equipment or consulting services or to alleviate poverty. However, capital given to entrepreneurs or invested with entrepreneurs creates jobs, economic growth, um, and ultimately improves governance. Capital, capital gives given to predatory government bureaucracies only sort of reinforces the centralized authority and, and strengthens um, uh, 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 sort of vested interests. Uh, uh, both the public and private investment involve selling equipment to uh, uh, to uh, um, Uganda, but only the, the first empowers entrepreneurs uh, from uh, below, um, dispersing more uh, uh, economic influence. Uh, uh, let me let me just frame that a little bit. Historically, yeah. uh, this type of technology empowerment. Uh, promoted the economic and political climate that gave rise to today's developing economies, like uh, water mills, uh, eyeglasses, uh, uh, clocks, or other uh, productivity-enhancing tools by uh, by putting power in the hands of entrepreneurs and merchants in medieval Europe, uh, uh, creating a, a countervailing economic force against coercive authorities. In response to entrepreneurs' demands and uh, and growing economic clout, authorities made compromises, um, uh, giving rise to important reforms such as property rights, uh, enforcement of, of uh, contracts, separation of judicial and the executive, and other checks and balances, creating fertile ground for economic growth and a more egalitarian society as a root. So this, this, this this kind of model will do that, yes, once again. Wonderful. JR, very interesting discussion. We are coming to almost the end of our program. So I'd like to take your views on what do you think the future holds for uh, local community businesses in the fast-growing digital economy? It's growing very fast and in the globally connected world. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's another good one. I, you know, I think that the ramification this is global change goes goes both ways. To tell you the truth, it, it, and it applies in all places, undeveloped, developing, and uh, and developed uh, countries. You know, for corporations, uh, you, they can really engage in different ways of doing business. Uh, I'll just give you some examples. Um, uh, when when you come into a, a local community, uh, don't just sell. Uh, your merchandise, uh, open factories in poor countries or poor communities, uh, uh, create jobs, develop and sell technologies that uh, that enable citizens to uh, produce more, uh, uh, sell productivity tools like cell phones or, or power generators, uh, not just soft drinks and cigarettes. Okay. Uh, uh, second, partner with small entrepreneurs, which which is in increasingly possible because, as we've been talking about this whole program, they're becoming more connected through this whole information. 
uh, technology. And, and third, procurement. Uh, data uh, producing and call senders uh, can be moved to poor communities. Basic supplies like furniture can be bought there. Why? Why couldn't large companies buy office furniture made in Africa? <laughs> why does all, yeah. all, all why does all office furniture need to be uniform and, and boring? You know? <laughs> yeah, I got you. And the reality here is that for corporations, all of these kinds of efforts are profitable moves. Uh, local production facilities in poor countries, partnership with local entrepreneurs, as I'm saying, uh, uh, procuring goods and services, all of those things reduce costs uh, because buying from poor countries expands their purchasing capacity. Rich countries' corporations uh, really benefit their own interest and they, in my opinion they should be urging their their governments to sort of lift barriers around uh, imports from these kinds of these kinds of countries right uh, and so uh, for for local communities uh, uh, they really must discern determine how how best to connect uh, world businesses and uh, the locals and how to create uh, a civic culture that will attract and retain these footloose corporations. And, and, and the, the reality at the end of this, uh, the best way for communities to preserve their local control is to become more competitive. That means in this last sort of rendition of business and macroeconomics, and they must be global in thought and practice. And I think that has to be my last comment because it really has a lot to do with the leadership in these small communities, not just small communities. I keep saying that because that's where I, that's where I kind of live, but the, the whole idea of uh, being competitive and thinking about it more than just in a parochial manner is the biggest benefit that I could think of. I think you, you, you have hit the nail on the head. Very good uh, thought process you shared with us Jia, today. And if you look at some of the small towns uh, with the use of digital technology, without that, they have made tremendous progress, uh, leadership, the environment provided, the ecosystem for business. Let's look at uh, Al Segundo in California. It is home to the headquarters of international toy manufacturer, Mattel. Exactly. You know, the town has a population of only 16,537. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and you know what? I think uh, 2,000 out of which they work at Mattel to design, develop, and market toys. And if I'm not mistaken, there is one... Uh, Another company, DirecTV, probably also uh, resides there. Take another example. Bentonville in Arkansas. That's the home to the world's largest retail chain, Walmart. They don't make anything there. They will be getting from a lot of places, as you were saying, connecting the dots. And the annual revenue of Walmart headquarters there is close to half a billion, actually half a trillion. It's almost $480 billion. Mm -hmm. The town, if you look at it, has a population of only 35,000. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. um, more than half of that works for the Walmart. So, uh, JR, thank you so much. Very enlightening, very good discussion, a lot of good thoughts. Appreciate your flow of thoughts and providing insights. And uh, we will be now uh, closing our program. Thank you for joining us today. It was uh, great to be here, uh, and uh, I look forward to talking with you more. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.